Canadian Family Health Counseling provides education and counseling services across Canada and beyond. Our holistic approach, called Neural Network Therapy, uses practical tools to boost mood, reduce anxiety, manage anger, break unwanted habits, and develop strong, healthy relationships. Sit back and relax while clinical director and founder Kim Sargent shares her insights and expertise on why emotional health matters. Hello, and welcome back to Emotional Health Matters. I'm your host, Kim Sargent. I'm the clinical director of Canadian Family Health Counseling and the founder of Neural Network Therapy. Uh, Neural Network Therapy is an education-based approach to emotional health care. And I'm laughing because I want to say everything at once about it because I get really excited about where neuroscience is going and how that impacts what's happening around brain health and education and people finding a way to uh, establish and maintain their mental health in a way that we've never been able to do before. So um, when people ask for my little elevator pitch about uh, how do I describe or define neural network therapy, I'm always a deer in headlights going, I don't know, have you got an hour? So speaking of brain health, this is a a bit of an emotional episode for me. And um, so I've avoided sitting to do one of these because I I knew it was probably going to be a pretty emotional one, but I'm going to have... Uh, I think it's valuable. I think that there are a lot of people going through the very thing that I'm going through. I think there are a lot of people going through, more importantly, the thing that my mom is going through, which is Alzheimer's. And it probably, I would think that it might be even the number one fear for 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 our elderly population at this point. We know that um, the numbers are quite staggering. I think it's something about, you know, by the time you're 85, there's about a 50% chance that you will end up with Alzheimer's. And I, I you know, I don't want to do doom and gloom on this podcast, but I do want to talk about brain health because I think that, I think that unfortunately, the things that you need to do to keep your, yourself as healthy as possible need to happen 20, 30, 40 years before you end up with disease. And unfortunately, that can be in the works a long time before you know it. My mom, in her case, um, and you know, she she's she's an amazing woman. She started her career late in life. Uh, went back to school at the age of forty. Went in to work at the Canadian Mental Health Association as a manager, and was absolutely instrumental in helping to bring about supportive employment programs and to support people with mental illness in the community just at large. I mean, there was a time, and it was during her time that if you hadn't you know, severe mental illness, something like schizophrenia or even though severe depression and certainly lots of undiagnosed things that are misdiagnosed or um, multiple diagnoses, um, you would go into a hospital and that's where you would live. And it wasn't a very pleasant setting. Uh, I don't think there was a tremendous amount of funding or research that was pointed in that direction. And so our, our facilities, I don't think were, were that fantastic. That, that, you know, that's a general <laughs> statement. So I'm sure I'll get a bit beaten up by that um, in comments. But just to be clear, I mean, like anything else, there are some really exceptional um, facilities. There's some absolutely fantastic human beings that work in the field. Um, but I do think that largely there wasn't, you know, there's just a lot that we didn't understand. Uh, and certainly when my mom started in the field, it was um, something that was really important to her was to create an equity and work towards uh, um, yeah, just 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 saying, you know, if people want to feel good about the, themselves, um, it doesn't matter um, what condition they might be 
you know, living with or challenged by. They need opportunities to do the things that we do that help us, you know, build and maintain self-esteem uh, and connection to community, our ability to to function independently and with dignity. And, and those were all things that were extremely important to her. Um, you know, uh, from there, she went to Waypoint Center, which is the regional, you know, facility for mental health in, in Ontario that's, you know, well known. And um, so, yeah, she did some incredible things there, helped to develop more of a streetscape type thing with little shops to go and um, all sorts of things for people who are living in hospital. She created something um, with a whole team of people, of course. I'm just talking about the proud moments um, specific to her list of many achievements, but um, something called the Hero Center and looking at um, people who have done great things despite um, having a whole host of uh, mental health challenges. So we think it was maybe even her, in her last year uh, of of work before she retired to head uh, sailing around the world that she probably had the beginnings at that point of early Alzheimer's. And so we think that might be about the age of 62, maybe 63. Um, she went sailing um, with her partner, having a wonderful time um, living a dream that she, you know, she'd had for a long time or they created and it was a beautiful thing. And they were having, uh, you know, coming back and forth to another sailboat here in Ontario on Georgian Bay and um and then yeah we knew that she was slipping her mother had had alzheimer's so my brother and i were kind of poised for this we we had conversations in fact we had many conversations with my mom about the things that she thought she would want and not want um based upon her own mom's experience and so in a way we feel as though we were uh, not entirely shocked but it's still shocking i i'm not even sure i understand that and i'm you know, I spent my whole life thinking and working with the brain. So I don't, I don't know quite what I'm saying there. But in any case, when they got back uh, a couple of years ago, it was clear that um, the tables said, you know, things had tilted in, in that direction enough that there was, she was in, in, in some trouble and needed to get, um, and at that point had the formal diagnosis and on, you know, began this journey called Alzheimer's. And, you know, the, it's something that anybody that has experienced it, one of, you know, my dearest friends on the planet, her husband also had early Alzheimer's and she, um, they've actually experienced this incredible seven year journey together with it through until he passed away just this year. And, um, and she's a great source of strength to me. She's, she certainly, um, I was able to see some of what was happening from the outside looking in, but there's nothing really that anybody can predict about this. Number one, it's very different for each person. Um, and number two, I think at different ages and stages, certainly it's very different losing a husband as opposed to losing a mother. And I, I don't, I don't, when I say different, I'm not talking about one is better or worse. I'm just saying there's just a difference. So, um, you know, I do think that there's some expectation, of course, that you're going to lose your parents. There's some acceptance of that that's already built into the cards. My dad died at 42. Um, and so uh, my mom is now 72, by the way. So she's been about a decade with this, we think, in total. Most of that not diagnosed, but suspected. Um, and, um, you know, there's some awareness. Okay. I, you know, at some point I'm going to say goodbye to my mom. I'm not suggesting that that makes it easy. Uh, I'm just saying that there's a difference there. Losing a partner and particularly to early Alzheimer's and all that that brings, I think is, um, is just another series of challenges. Um, and certainly ones that, you know, she, my best friend just handled that in a way that, you know, it's quite unexplainable actually. She, she's, um, yeah, she was able to do that in a way that made made uh, made it look like she knew exactly what she was doing every step of the way, despite um, having to figure it out as she went along. 
So I'm really fortunate that I'm extremely well supported in this. I, I you know, I've got uh, a therapist that is well versed in Alzheimer's. I have, um, yeah, close friends and family that are are just there. But still, it's something that's quite uh, difficult to explain because uh, I find myself inadvertently bracing for visits, recognizing that at some point she's going to look at me and not know who I am. And that very something happened this last visit. When I found out that my mom had Alzheimer's after we did the COVID thing, which was very challenging, of course, um, I bought a sailboat so that I could live part-time in Midland and spend time with her, uh, which is about two and a half hours away from where I live now. And it was a great decision. I knew at the beginning of this summer that this would be it, that this summer was going to be pretty important for me to, to connect as often as possible. And I have, and I did. And then sure enough, summer, you know, came to its close, which for me feels like September 1st. And that next visit, she knew me most of the visits, but she several times um, let me know that um, she used to have kids, which was great. So um, despite the fact that we handle an awful lot with, with a great deal of humor, there's, there's so much, uh, we do a lot of laughing. And, and we do a lot of laughing because I try to listen very intently to what's going on. But I also, I, I can see when she's embarrassed, you know, feeling embarrassed that she can't find words or that she's lost her train of thought, at which time we, you know, we make a joke about, oh, I didn't need that word anyway. And on we go to the next thing. I've also started a book of mum funnies. And this is just, my mum loved to laugh. Uh, it was an important part of her life. And um, so I made this this little, you know, section in my phone about mum funnies that I continue to, to, yeah, keep great lists of things that are just absolutely hysterical. Um, and so I'm, uh, you know, I think in the time I'm quite able to handle what's going on, I can roll with it. Um, you know, there's more challenges around her care that, um, you know, I didn't expect I, you know, I, I feel ill-equipped, I guess, to manage some of them. Uh, but I do, I do think that there's still very much an energetic connection. And that's why I thought I would hop on and have a chat about this on, on the podcast. So because my mom and I do a lot of laughing together, there's an ease and that, that it's a beautiful ease because it means that there's no, uh, nothing needs to happen to fill the time. We can kind of just, you know, hang out together, go for ice cream, um, do the things that are simple and easy, but just have a, a nice feeling between us. Um, and because we do so much laughing together and it comes easily, what's great about it is it seems to take the pressure off of her to try to figure out how to communicate when those stumbling blocks I can see um, kind of jump up in front of her in a different way when we're in company with other people that she doesn't know is just, you know, or, or hasn't known for a long time. Um, and I can see that the pressure is on and that's having an impact. And that makes sense to me in lots of ways. One of the ways I think that's important to acknowledge is that uh, when we're in fight or flight, so when our reptilian brain has been triggered into thinking that there might be danger in sight, we lose access to our prefrontal cortex and all of our, all of our words <laughs> fall apart. So uh, there's some of that. I can see some anxiety in her, although not, not a whole lot, I have to say. Her partner's doing quite a remarkable job for sure. Of, of keeping her happy and in that way very you know she seems she seems to be able to move from one thing to the next um, with uh, yeah with 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 a lot of humor and um, certainly feeling very safe she's sort of 
she's very much like a toddler at the moment. Um, and, and some of that's really, you know, it's kind of, it, it's kind of fun because, um, you know, I take her for a car ride to go for ice cream and she discovers, you know, four, maybe five times that, uh, that we're going to get ice cream. So, so it's great multiple times, uh, before we get there. And, and some of those things you have to, you have to laugh about. I mean, there's a release of course of endorphins, uh, when we laugh, but there's also just this, uh, just that ability to do a little bit of shaking it off. I don't process things at the speed I used to. So I used to do things in real time, as I would say. And, and since that uh, has changed, what I find is that it's actually not until after, and sometimes it could be two or three days after um, being in Midland and spending time each day, that, uh, it, that it catches up with me. And that's when I, I become a bit melancholy. Um, I start to do a bit of that you know, the grief process really. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, I can be angry about things. I can be bargaining. I could be, you know, feeling quite in a state of acceptance and understanding and then doing it all over again, just for sport. Uh, and that's very much the grief process. I think that, you know, in these conditions of any chronic condition, cancer would be the same um, in terms of illness and disease and letting go. I think we do a lot of our grieving um, before we get to the part that we have to do the big grieving. So the part I wanted to talk about, I mean, I call it my walk with Alzheimer's. And so, you know, when I go, we take these long and slow, deliberate walks. I, f I feel a bit like a grandparent because we stop to smell the flowers and we see every dog and every small child, uh, which, uh, you know, my mom has a great fascination with, with <laughs> both kids and dogs. And it's great. It's a beautiful thing. She's completely delighted. Um, and, uh, and it's a wonderful thing. The other day after our third um, visit that week, so she had sort of regained, you know, a lot of familiarity with me, didn't quite know who I was, but she arrived at my sailboat for a visit and she hopped on board and she was giggling just like a child would giggle. And I said, I looked at her and said, what are you laughing about? And so she snickered some more and she said, I don't know yet. <laughs> and I was, ah. I was so happy to hear that because I think what she's aligned is that there's joy. I don't know exactly maybe who this person is, but there's going to be joy. It's going to be funny. We're going to have a good time. And um, I don't know that there's, you know, much else that um, is beautiful in this world than just that. Uh, you know, if that's, if that's what I maintain as a connection, I think that that's, uh, that's a pretty worthwhile connection. Anyway, more on this another time. I wanted to I wanted to sit down while it was a bit fresh. I didn't want to wait until the, you know, the story was packaged up again and I'd figured out exactly what it all looked like and how I'd managed to come to the other side. Um, I'm not there. I'm right in the messy middle. <laughs> and so, uh, but I do know that there are, there are, are a lot of people out there that are dealing with this very same thing that I am. I turned 50 this year, actually, in a couple of months. And there's something about that that I realized, oh, right. So the reason why more people are... Um, you know, getting illnesses and, and people are dying is because I'm 50. <laughs> I actually, you know, for a little while there, uh, it's almost, you know, you're timeless maybe for a little part of, of things and you're busy. So it's easy to not connect with that. But of course, I'm getting older. And so therefore, all of my friends and all of their parents are getting older too. Um, there's something really absolutely, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I love getting older. I just think that I have access to so much more of my brain than ever before. Um, I feel delightfully not uh, caught up in things that I would generally be worrying about. Um, I can let go of things pretty quickly 
that um, either are none of my business anyway, uh, or are things that just really, I, there's nothing I can do in worrying about them. I think about uh, my mom in this too, because I, she was a, a worry wart. Uh, she, she spent a lot of time looking after a lot of people. Um, I think that she, she lived her work. She was definitely a workaholic. Uh, when she wasn't physically at work, I think she was thinking through lots that needed to happen, whatever those next steps were. How much that's contributed really actually even to the place that she's in, I'm sure, is quite a lot. I mean, I think that um, she's, there's a cautionary tale there that, you know, how can we learn to deal with our stress levels? We know that our dendrites, which is, this is a, a, a really interesting thing to me that I've been working with for quite some time. It's integrated its way in to actually a lesson in, in neural network therapy because our dendrites are these great little branch-like like structures um, around our, our nerve cells. that And so they receive information, but if they get overloaded uh, with information, they actually curl up, they retract, um, and they can curl up and sort of spread back out again and they can do this numbers of times but basically our you know our body is so brilliant that if we do anything a whole lot of times in a row it's going to say "Ooh, i detect a pattern so you're going to be super stressed all the time that's way too much for me to handle as each of these little cells are saying no mayday can't take it too much information i'm going to retreat um and so everything pulls back and stops and eventually actually they'll die off so that neuronal death, it's called, because uh, that's what's happening next, um, is, is part of a whole chain reaction of things that are going on in terms of our brain health. So looking at how to soften your environment is a really important thing to consider, not just for the longevity of, of your brain and your memory and all those other great things that we're learning more and more about. But I think, you know, I think the idea is that we have accustomed, we've grown accustomed to intensity as a a rule. Uh, we've actually grown accustomed to living in fight or flight, which is, you know, what, why we see things like road rage and, and all kinds of other, um, you know, people just at their edge. But when it comes to protecting your brain, just, you know, in general, regarding your brain, your body as, as an important part of this equation, um, your mood as relevant, the company that you keep as relevant. I mean, if you're in the company of somebody who's angry all the time and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, your dendrites will retreat and go, well, um, if you are surrounded by loud noises all the time, uh, same thing will happen. Sensory overload is, is relevant. In some ways, I think uh, people with Alzheimer's, though, that have been responsible for anything and everything in the world are maybe saying, you know, I, I, you know, I realize at some point I'm not going to be here on the planet anymore and I'll make that transition just like everybody else, but I'm actually going to do it from a different vantage point for this next while. I would like to not be responsible for anything, so I'm going to just sit back, see how it all turns out, and you can look after me. To which, by the way, to my mom, lots of ups and downs. My my relationship with my mom, like <laughs> like most mother daughter relationships, had its moments. Um, but I am very happy to spend uh, time letting my mom have a look at the world from that vantage point, and sitting back and smiling and laughing with her um, while we take our walk with Alzheimer's. Until next time. If you like what you've heard on today's podcast and want to learn more about our counseling and education services, or to get involved with our Grow Happy Gardens Health and Happiness Worldwide Tour, visit our website at canadianfamilyhealth.ca. Because health and happiness begin with you.